0: Hello, Nigel. Afternoon, TK. Isn't it just great to be sitting in this room again? <laughs> like we weren't here 10 minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Welcome, welcome. Have you
1: had a good couple of days? It's been a great couple of days.
0: Challenging, but um, the, that's where the fun lies. Oh, good. Well, do we need to delve, delve into those challenges or can we move no, on to the fun stuff? Move on to the fun stuff. Yeah, I don't want to hear problems. Everyone's Let's been hear about other them. people's challenges. <laughs> <laughs> Let's deny having any of our own troubles <laughs> and just go. No, it has been good. But here we are for profit finding, which um, is a very – Obviously a very um, important topic for us all because a lot of us in business are <laughs> trying to make a profit. So um, let's go to the, uh, w- let's go to the um, intelligence bank and tell me what's come through the wireless this week, Nigel?
1: <laughs> Thank you, old man Gratiris. Uh, we've had a number of different people uh, writing in with essentially the same theme. So I'm going to round them all up together um, rather than go specific on it.
0: Nigel, you're so excitable today. You know I, what? I'm feeling nervous. I feel like you're you going to eat that microphone. Are you, are you all right?
1: The physicality behind because I'm realizing having to listen to these more and more. <laughs> uh, the more I move, the better I sound. And if I sound better, people will listen to me.
0: Sheep. is all right. It's, I'm, just, I'm, really, I'm really taken aback by... Whatever it takes, mate. <laughs> Excellent. All right. So what's come through? Because we've had a few comments um, obviously come through. We don't do this on the cuff. Yeah. It, it's really a general theme that's come through yes. this week from our last profit finding. So uh, summarise it for me and um, then let's let's go from there.
1: So essentially what it boils down to is people feeling like they're being forced to discount their pricing, particularly in that SME space. So they're forced, right. being forced to discount to win work.
0: Right. So very, very common um Feedback that's come through, which is particularly people starting businesses, is they feel like they have to discount work. Yep. Great. Well, that that one's really easy because I think um, let's. Where do we start? We'll start at the very beginning. First of all, there's a number of different elements when you've got a new business. So people who are new in business generally start by discounting. So the really traditional SME space is hey, I've got a product or service, I want to get it out there. The fastest way to get it out there is discounting because when people start to show interest in whatever you're doing, you want to actually just get it in their hands. You're you're new to sales, you're new to the business, it's got no track record and you figure let's just get it out there because it's better than not having anyone transacting. So it's a very common thing to happen particularly early on. Um, The challenge with discounting is that if you keep discounting and you start to scale your business in any sort of form, if you're still running at discounted prices that you may have had your projections based on retail price, you can always have this lag not only in cash flow but the revenue you need to generate to be successful. So how do you, I guess, go from a place of I've been discounting at times and now discounting is almost the major part of my sales process that you're so used to discounting that everyone gets discounting and you've seen it particularly in retail over the last – I should almost – gee, it's almost a decade where it started with discounts, seasonal discounts in fashion or whatever it is. But now, particularly in Australia, discounting just seems the norm in every shop ongoing. So people have got so used to discounting that not having a discount almost is dismissive of most people shopping there which has become a really big problem.
1: Yeah, well, I honestly can't remember the last time I bought something that wasn't on sale or discounted. Yeah. And I wasn't actually physically going out and looking for it but you just can't almost – go around unless it's the absolute newest season.
0: Absolutely. And this is a a serious challenge that retailers particularly have um, have been faced with in Australia and obviously globally. But particularly here, it's a completely different retail environment. Discounting is um, a problem that they're really struggling to deal with. Um, So, we don't want to fall into that for our own businesses. So, where do we start? So, the first thing is if you find yourself constantly discounting, you need to go back ...to your value proposition. And for those who aren't familiar with what a value proposition to put it, it... really basically is what value are you bringing to this transaction? So what is your product or service? Understanding why someone's buying it... ...and the reason that they can't say no to buying it. When someone puts up a price objection which is a discount... It, ...the first thing you want to look at is, is my value proposition unique enough or strong enough to demand the price I'm asking for. And that's really tough because a lot of people believe that their value proposition is very, very strong. But they then on in the same breath say but everyone wants a discount on it. So there's something missing there about the true value and we discussed it on one of our previous podcasts is looking at your pricing models because it might be also the way you're presenting your offering that's creating or causing people to ask for a discount. And this can also happen in traditional industries where discounting is part of the sales process so you need to evaluate these few things. So first of all, check your value proposition. Why would that person be silly not to transact with me right now for this? And if that's not a compelling enough reason, you're always going to have these objections that pop up. Now. Your value proposition and this is where some complexity comes into it. So I'm going to throw out a few themes today but and then we'll try and simplify it. If you feel your value proposition's really strong, so it's great. So for instance, I know that when I hit my ideal client that they buy and I want 10,000 more of that type of client. You have to start looking at am I qualifying my leads Because it doesn't matter how strong your value proposition is. If you've got the wrong lead generation that's bringing the wrong type of people and what commonly happens is you you get your ideal client through the same lead generation tactics but it might be 5% ideal client and 95% people you don't really want to transact with or can't transact with at the same time. So really basic example. I've got a really strong value proposition but there's no way someone can buy it. Let me let me use our, um, maybe I'll indulge a little bit. Let me use our business. Our value proposition is we basically put in a performance department into companies. So we go in there and companies say I'm either in crisis and I need help, I'm an established business, I want to perform better, I've plateaued as a business and I want to grow. And our value proposition from a consulting point of view is we are, what we're sort of pioneering is we become an outsourced performance center. You get us in and we are performance across the whole organization. And we know that the value proposition is here's all the data from all the businesses we've been working with in your industry and this is the difference we've made. And they can see literally we invest a dollar with you guys, we're going to get it back as eighty, whatever it is. Now – We could go to a customer or a client as a prospect and go, here it is. We're literally showing that we, the investment here and this is the average return. So we can basically draw a conclusion with most clients that we're not a cost, we're a profit centre and that's our point being a performance centre. But if that client can't afford the fees straight up, well, they're not a good prospect for us. So if we're filling people with or leads or prospects for people who literally cannot afford it, we're going to start looking at our own value proposition going, gee, is it really right? Are we doing something wrong? Is there real no value in the market? But it's actually the wrong type of prospect. So what we have to be careful of as owners is, are we actually speaking to the people that we want to buy? Yeah. And, and for us, you know, as you, you know, we've had to evolve our offering too. Not everyone can get a performance centre, implanted into their business Mm. it's for a certain size business you need to be doing you know over a million dollars revenue to really get the maximum benefit of this type of infrastructure but we don't want to lose the prospects that are our future ideal clients so we've had to build these things so obviously through the podcast we're doing connection and we're growing a pool of people that are generally interested in the type of work we do but also we're offering different things to people you know things that we offer for free which others and other businesses look at go, why would you spend money giving people things for free if they're not going to pay for it? Why, why would you help them? Because the point is we're trying to help businesses. At some point we want a bigger pool of leads coming through but filtering the people we can really help with our core services and that's the same with the investment arm of the business, that's the same with all these different things we do. But most smaller businesses don't think like that so what they've got one value proposition and they're trying to smash it onto every prospect that comes in. So one of the great things about looking at a business that's always discounting to close sales is actually asking a different question. Is there an innovation opportunity here because people need a lower cost offering or it might be in a different form or it might be in whatever it is but that's an exciting thing people look at discounting as annoyance because they never look at where could there be an innovation opportunity? Where could there be a chance to build a new product or service? And it's very important that you analyze that because that's where innovation grows. So we would have all seen in, say, software systems, there are light versions of software. Mm. You might see um, old-school in printers, there were printers that were faster and slower. Some of these printers were made by the same company in the same factories over in China and literally to slow those printers down, they had to put an additional chip in them. They put in something that would slow the product down so they could have a lower cost product to give to the market. Basically same printer. They knew that they needed a lower cost offering so big businesses needed speed per print or whatever but they're lower consumers that they still had because their brand, um, you know, they have brand uh, recognition. Yeah. People were looking for it but they're at a different price point. So they go, how do we slow down our core printer? And they actually had to do more manufacturing but because the margins are so good and a lot of the printing was not only – if we get the hardware in their hand, they're going to buy cartridges. So the actual business model was around cartridges, not printers. But we had to slow it down or we're going to cannibalize our sales on the premium product because they were still making enough. Now – (laughs) <laughs> uh, maybe I've gone down a path that's a few of the SMEs like, what the hell are you talking about?
1: So it was more cost effective for them to, to produce a chip to slow down the other production than to tool up to produce a completely new model.
0: Absolutely. Because where they were making their money was on the back end with the increase uh, resales or the cartridges that needed yeah. to go in. And they also were making enough margin at the premium level not to just create one category. So they still had to keep the differentiation now that's pretty sophisticated because if you're that printer company you must know your numbers you must know the category you must know the profit margins because they're not silly they're they're doing the they're analyzing each of the categories and they're you know adjusting accordingly but let's take that concept mm-hmm. so we take the concept and say all right I'm in an, M- an SME people are asking for discounts the whole time what is the reasoning behind the discounts so are they saying because I can get that from somewhere else for this so you ask yourself the question, how have I become a commodity in my business? Because you never want to be a commodity. You basically, well, unless you're a commodities person, <laughs> <laughs> where well, you don't have a lot of choice. But even then, you need to look at why are people looking for the discount. The other thing is around your sales processes is when you're taking people through your funnel or your journey or your, your, your closing techniques is – are you actually bringing up discounting as part of what you're doing? Because sometimes you're leaving the door open for people to then ask. It feels safe or it's expected that they're asking for a discount. And that's really important that you you don't get scared by the question. So one of the little fun little tricks is bring it up. Bring up the discounting before they do. Just get in front of it. Get in front of it. Know their objections and discuss it and discuss their options if they need a discount. So one of the things, you know, if we're in an interaction, one of the things, Nigel, that you're probably going to be looking at is what do you need to get this done or for us to work together now? If it's this and you want a discount on it, great. We can do this but it's going to come under these conditions, i.e. a longer contract, bigger volume of things you need to buy, whatever it is. So the idea is to look at the objection being discounts because that's actually an objection on price not a negotiation. It's an objection of your price. So how are you going to deal with it and what are your three or four options? Because one of the biggest mistakes that SMEs make is they get the price objection. So someone asking for a discount and they take that as a personal rejection.
1: Because they're tied to their product, their service.
0: Yeah, Yeah. They think people are actually negotiating. What they're doing is feeling out your true value. So when people ask us for, so is there an opportunity to um, get a discount? Go, absolutely. But first of all, I'm going to equally have to raise the prices by that amount. They go, what do you mean? I go, well, we know our price, we know our value and that's why we're here. We're performance people. Yeah, It's not that we don't want it but we value what we do and w- we value it. We've got a track record. We're confident in what we're doing. So that's the price. Now… When people hear that, two things happen. Some people say, "Well, that's not for me. Great, not ideal client." Yep. Or we offer them down sells and other things. They don't get that core product for a discount. However, if they say, "What if we signed a 3 to 4 time longer contract?" That's different. And why would I accept that? Because at some stage you got to understand your economics that that might be a nice contract to hold because it fixes a whole lot of other challenges in a business which is we now know we've got a guaranteed cash flow for that client for so long and now we're getting into more sophisticated pricing and understanding of our business which is and maybe I will take you right down a different path which is some businesses use sales as a lost leader. So they actually lose on the first sale or they make no money on it. Yep. Now… Why is this good? Because if you understand your business and you understand your numbers, you might say well for every client we get through the door and it doesn't matter if it's a product or service, it might be, you know, they stay for an average of six months. Now if you know that the industry averages six months but you keep them on average 18 months, wouldn't it make sense that if your actual client averages 18 months, you can pretty much four, three times as much as any other competitor's business because you know your retention rate's three times as much. So having that first six months where you're not making money on that person or a lost leader means that you've got 12 months where they're going to continue to buy or rebuy or whatever it is. Now when you get into that level of sophistication, you have a strategic advantage over others in your industry because you can start using strategy around ...pricing around client attraction, around spending more to acquire a, a client... ...because you've got an unfair advantage. And that's the point of what we try and do is how do we create an unfair advantage? How does my business get away with paying two, three, four times more than my competitors... ...in client acquisition and still not go broke? So this is really important is we started with discounting... ...but we've now got to a point of we need to know our numbers... So if we know our numbers, discounting becomes a different proposition. It is what can we sell this at and what is the reasoning behind it because I would prefer to give someone out a discount if I know that my track record as a client is keeping them forever. I don't need to make money in the first interaction Mm. but you can only do that if you seriously know your cash flows and you also have the data to support it. And that's why a lot of SMEs get blown out of the water because every transaction for them is that transaction only. It's not part of a greater strategic plan. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it's um, it's one of those things with knowing the numbers and it's something that you talked to me about earlier is you have to keep looking back at those numbers as well because your industry average might be 18 months a year ago at a certain costs. But if those numbers change and you still maintain those same practices, then you're just eating away at your profits.
0: Absolutely. And this is very important. It's not for everyone. You need to have a forensic understanding of your data and what you're doing, particularly if you're a very small business and you might be part of the execution of a lot of the work. You can't afford to have discounted, um, discounted clients for an extended period of time because that's literally your time is equating to money at the early stages. So it's very, very important that you understand what your business can afford to pay for a a client. So for us it's easy. We know exactly the number we can afford to pay for a type of client based on the length they're going to stay and the capacity and and all that sort of stuff. As an SME, most businesses don't know that and that's why we've been very lucky to – pretty much in all categories of businesses we've owned and our client categories is we can outgrow most people because we understand some of the fundamental numbers and then apply that knowledge to growth strategies. It's not unsafe. It is understanding we're not trying to make all the money up front. We're trying to make money in longer term relationships with clients. So… You have that whole sophistication of building in mechanisms that keep people transacting with you, understanding client journeys, understanding the points in the client journey where you have opportunities for upsells, downsells, side sells, whatever it is. That level of sophistication changes everything because if we come right back to the start which is why are people always asking for a discount, it's not just the fact that they're not agreeing with the price On some level, we don't have the sophistication of the size of business we are to deal with that type of sales objection. But I don't want to confuse people on this because there would be a lot of SMEs listening and going, Tim, that's pretty much over my head. So let's get back to a basic tactic. So if you're an SME, what are your options when discounting comes up? What are you going to do as soon as someone or if you haven't bought it up first, going to do when someone asks for a discount? Sorry, just before you get into it, can
1: I just make sure that this is both applicable to people that are to consumer and B2B, what you're talking about
0: now, yeah? There's absolutely no difference. Okay, beautiful. So this this is a universal philosophy around how your business needs to transact. And it's different for every business because depending on the model, um, you know, all of that is going to dictate what you need to do. But it comes back to the basic fundamentals of how much can I sell this for? and why would I consider discounting at any time without a strategy behind it which is well, do you know what, we're actually at 85% capacity at the moment and we've hit our KPIs for the month if we're a manufacturer. I'm happy to take that short run job because for us it's literally a matter of using the additional capacity, we've got nothing else we need to change. You might take it because it's a cherry on top um, type deal might be in a service business that you've got professionals that you can, you know, like us, we've got capacity where people can come in and still be serviced. At the moment they're not utilized. Well, it, it, what, what will we do for that type of client? Let them come in at a discounted rate if we know that that's going to lead to them staying on or it's just a shorter term, um, you know, contract or that we do a deal with that client that, hey, we're happy to do this but as soon as capacity... We're going to have to cease our relationship. Now that sounds harsh but a lot of people are happy with short run projects. So the great thing about being entrepreneurial is you can think of 50 different ways where you can then deal with that objection. But let's start with the most common one which is what are you doing when someone asks for a discount? And this is a rehearsed thing that you must have as a business owner. So what are your options? So if someone asks for a discount… What are you firstly going to say and how are you going to deal directly with it? The first question I would ask is what part of this or have we discussed that you feel like should be discounted? So I like to push it back on the prospect a lot. Great. Let's hear their objections. Oh, I just can't afford it or I know I can get it cheaper or I can get this down the road for $200. Then you know what objection you're really talking about. Most people want to reinforce the value, not actually get the discount. So if you're an online store. Sorry, say that again slower. (laughs) Most people want to reinforce the value that they're about to buy. They don't actually want a discount. They're throwing it out there to see what happens. It's a subconscious experiment which is, you know, you remember the old saying, never pay retail or suckers pay retail. It's not true. (laughs) Don't take that on as the owner. Know your value and know how to articulate your value when people come up against or when you come up against a price objection. Online's the same thing because there'd be a lot of product based people going, Well, that's easy for you to say because uh, online people then just Google the same product and they can get it cheaper elsewhere. Yeah. Great. So, why are you a good value proposition then for them to buy it from you? What can you do to change that? What are the mechanisms around that that make people want to deal with you? So that is, you know, can be a little bit more difficulty when it's a commodity that others have that it's exactly the same. But you have to think of what mechanisms. So others put on, you know, different returns. So particularly if you look in apparel, free returns, free shipping, um, get VIP type credits to come back to the store. There's a whole lot of ways but you actually have to build a value proposition around whatever you're doing or whatever industry you're in. It can't be, well, you know, people just always want discounts and they're buying from me and go, well, if, that's, if they can get it with a click somewhere else, you have to find another way to add value. Yep. It's, it's You know, every business in the world does that. You're in a competitive environment. You need to stand out and you have to resonate with those people. Does that make sense? Yeah. Great. So first of all, the one thing I like and we've had a lot of success with smaller businesses here is First of all, have a few levels of your pricing. So you've got a value proposition, so what your business does. Now, what are the three levels that people can purchase at? Because most SMEs have the product or service and the price and that's it. So you can buy one thing. Yeah. But with the same product or service, you can actually break it into a light version and a VIP version at, at its most simplest level. But the great thing even just doing that. ...is that you'll always come across VIP buyers. So you'll always come across someone who wants the top bracket of whatever you're selling. And even if that's one in 10, one in fifteen, you're still going to do a lot better. Now obviously you have to build these different packages... ...or you have to build these different offerings. But it might be anything from extended terms. So if someone is buying a subscription for you, what, what is it for two years... Can you add separate things? Can you add like insurances became an extra thing? But you must find a way to build out your offering so when the discount conversation comes up or the discount price objection comes up, you have options that are already pre-planned out because that confidence in what they're buying, people will generally want to still buy that but they need to understand that there are other options and what they're selecting is that one that's right for them. And that's really, really important. It does
1: make it a a hell of a lot easier to say yes to as well because you go from a binary yes or no, I want your product to oh, which product do I want? What's my way in?
0: Absolutely. So what, what are we really talking about here? We're talking about price objection. And if we get back to its root cause, which is discounting is around price objection and you must have mechanisms to deal with price objections and the biggest way to deal with price objections is to actually find out the real reason for the price objection. So most people are so scared to even discuss it that they go, yeah, listen, I'll get back to you. I'm sure there's something we can do. Great. So now they, their objection just won. If yep. you actually don't know what their problem is, their problem might be, um, you know, it's just every deal they ever get into. They ask the same question and see what happens and suckers like us always say we'll get back to them and they get it. So when people stand up for what they or or be able to articulate their value and explain it and be able to hear objections and work through it with the prospect, people are more confident that this is not new to you, that you know what you're doing and we want to buy those type of products and services, people we can trust. You buy surety. Absolutely. And you should have that surety and I can deliver this for you. And I think that's really important ...as soon as people ask, can I have a discount... ...your reaction creates a lack of surety around what you're going to deliver. And that's really important. Most people find that type of weakness um, nerve-wracking... ...because people don't un- people don't want to buy from people that don't understand their real value. And often if you're in that face-to-face sales um,
1: position... Yeah. ...the rehearsal part of it is vital because no matter what you say people will see the inflection in your eyes or just those are micro-expressions that you make which already convey uncertainty or are on the back foot.
0: Well, absolutely. And, and I think the best way to think about it, if, if you're the owner of the business, have a think about your last transactions with other businesses or something you've bought. Where did you buy the last time where there was a lack of certainty? So even if you went to the supermarket, the same branding, the same packaging, the same this, why did you buy that ice cream? Yes, you might like peppermint choc chip but why didn't you buy one of the other 10? Because you have certainty in that brand that you like it and it looks the same. Now, when you change the packaging of all that, the first thing you look at is, oh, has it changed? Because you because you actually look for changes in your experience and things like that and it's the same when we're an SME. We, we have to create because we don't have branding and, and all this or we have branding but we don't have it as the um, forefront of our sales process because there's – that's why we build brands so we can have a trusted brand before we get into the sales process. If we don't have that, you are the brand. Yeah. And whether it's a small business online, whether it's a you know service-based business, whether you're B2B, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. But where are you showing up consistent, consistently to make people feel comfortable in the interaction? I personally love the price objection question. And it's not because I don't give price discounts at times but – I know what I want to transact that client at because I know the work I have to do and I need to know the margin that's in it to make the company successful. And there's obviously a lot of elements that we need to work through to get to that point. But as soon as you've got that, you don't get nervous around price objection. In in fact, you bring it up as we discussed earlier. You're the one who brings up price and value. This is why it is this price. If you need to, I mean generally when you feel comfortable out this, price objections seem to disappear pretty quick. Yeah, um, And if they come up, you really are questioning is this the right client rather than is this the right product or service because your ideal client gets the value. That's one of the criteria of ideal clients should understand your value. I think even at that base level, like the way you view a
1: price objection, you don't see it as a actually asking for a discount. ...you're viewing it as a, hey, this is a test of trust. How well do you know and how much do you back up what you do?
0: I, it's a completely I, different conversation. I literally welcome it. Yeah. I, and if not, I generally are the one who brings it up. I, I like to have it there because I think people get weird around money. And they do. And we're talking SMEs here. So remember we're, we're bringing this conversation to a level of... ...you know, smaller businesses still establishing themselves. It changes when we start to get into bigger businesses but... You want to get in front of these things because you know your true value and you want to be able to have the opportunity to articulate why the value is there for that person to solve their problem. Yeah. It As soon as someone hears that, they understand that. If they're still seeing you as a commodity, they're probably in the wrong client or prospect. You actually want to avoid them actively because I know if someone's talking about price or discounting, in their mind they're saying, I want to buy from you. That's what I hear. I want to buy from you, Tim. Now, because this is the way the world works, I want to see if you believe that you're worth the value you are. Wonderful. Let's talk that through. Why not make that equally as enjoyable for both people instead of being scared by it? What part of this do you feel you need discounted? Great. What if I took this out? No, no, I want it all. So you see the value. Now remember I'm talking here guys, we're all in this little cocoon of, you know, don't tell anyone we're talking like this but (laughs) we're in this cocoon of how we need to think in our brains and helping our prospect feel comfortable at that transaction point. So this can't be something you're not expecting. Part of your sales process must be this is how I deal with price objections. This is how I deal with all the objections that can come up with your product and service and this is the strategy for each. And I train my salespeople. And if you are the salespeople, you need to be well versed in how do I deal with this question. So ask yourself the question, what if someone asks for a 50% discount? What's my response? What if someone asks for a 10%? What if someone, you should already know these scenarios. There should be nothing in the sales transaction that you haven't got well rehearsed or know how you counter that objection.
1: It's the old adage that you go by is always in every meeting, be the most educated person in the room.
0: Yeah, I I had a really great um, mentor once upon a time and he says, I've never been to a meeting where I don't know the answer to all the questions that I'm going to be asked. Now he was a bit of a psycho um, and I should say that but I I really liked him because I don't necessarily um, subscribe to everything about that because I think also as you start running bigger businesses... You're paying people to come to the meetings with answers that you don't want to have but as someone who wasn't leading a business at the time, he was making sure that he'd already pre-thought all the things senior people would ask him within an organisation and I think that's a great way to think about it because what it made him do was get really granular on looking for where he is missing information and it made him better and more prepared and I like that idea of where where is, you know, where is a question that someone could ask me that I don't have the answer for? And I think if you get to that point, sales processes become quite easy because you're not most people, I guess, going in there going, I hope they don't ask this question. Whereas I think the opposite tact is better. How do I bring up the most awkward question? Yeah. Get into it because it shows a confidence. And I also I also say, listen, if you're looking at other people to go to, these are the questions I would ask them. So I help them dissect what they're buying and I help them pick holes in what they're looking for. I help with their thinking because deep down, that's my job. My job is to get that person to their ideal solution, not sell them on my solution. I know what I do. I know who should buy it. I don't want to have people who shouldn't be here because it just, it's just too much pain, too much energy on people that aren't ideal. So I want to help that prospect find their solution. But as soon as it falls into a solution I can provide, then I want to work with them because I know I'm going to do or service them better than anyone else on the planet. And that's the difference is most SMEs are, I just need some money to come in. Yeah, they'll do, they're sort of a prick but you know I'll take their dollars because – I can eat next week." And then they've constantly got this stream of discounted people, they've constantly got a stream of people they don't particularly like working with, they've constantly got a stream of why is this business so hard because everything's falling apart and they do the same with staff, they do the same with that. Discounting is not just in your core products and services. You discount your values when you bring in the wrong staff member. You discount your values when you have a supply that's not performing but you're too scared to have a conversation. This is a part of a much bigger conversation for SMEs. If you're discounting in one area, I guarantee you're discounting in so many others that is having this effect of chipping away at the core foundation of your business and that is the beginning of the end. The good thing is you can nip it in the bud as soon as you know it and go, wait a minute, where am I discounting? Right, get the machete. We're going to fix this. <laughs>
1: I am very much looking forward to the next five or six or five or six hundred episodes around discounting by the sounds of it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it is and it's that complex. I don't want to, listen, I'm, I'm sorry if you're sitting there and you, you're you someone who's going through discounting and it's difficult. It does take a little bit of time but let's just simplify. First of all, just work on how to deal with the objections, whatever your business is. Have a strategy with it. Work through it. Write them down. Pretend that you are getting the objection and have have it mapped out so you can really see and go, is that really a good response from me when the objection comes up? Understanding the right questions to ask. I think if you start there, it starts to open your eyes up to, oh, people don't want discounts, they want reinforcement of my value because I'm missing something in the sales process or they're not educated on their problem enough where they see my solution as a commodity. That's a really cool place to get to because as soon as you realise that, you're, oh, I haven't taken enough care in the process. Where can I help with the education around this? And that's okay for obviously offline businesses. But online it's the same process. Why is it more valuable to buy from me here if I'm in a commodity type product or service? But equally if you're not that commodity, what is the process coming through so people aren't just reacting to discount? Some people had a laugh the other day and they're like, I'm so sick of discounting. I go, why is that? They go, well… Just everyone, you know, they want a discount. I go, every one of your online ads is (laughs) 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 discount-based. Who do you you think you're attracting? Like, oh, but I want the traffic. Okay, but they're responding to discount. You're getting discount-focused people. And it's silly things that when we look at our business and take a step back, rather than getting frustrated with why are people always asking for discounts, ask different questions. What is it about the discounts that people want from me? And what can I do to change that perception at a different part of the sales process? Because if you do that, a lot of these things will just start to dissipate naturally and then you can work out, okay, at what point can I use discounting as a profit-driving strategy because it aligns with filling capacity or you know sales stock or whatever it is. Because there's definitely a place for discounting in business just not at points where SMEs have it which is up the front when they're trying to make more profit to get more support and more growth that's not the time to be heavily focused on discounting because you just won't get enough excess cash to drive the business to the next level it's
1: it's not giving someone just a discount it's discounting for a strategic reason
0: absolutely it's a great strategy if you know how to apply it at the right times because it's a faster way to fill capacity or whatever it is yeah i'm gonna write that down because i reckon there's another podcast
1: just in that topic alone
0: excellent but i think there's probably a few heads spinning nigel and um i really enjoy this one because i think to, to be honest with you it's a mindset more than anything but deep down if you find that really people are not valuing where you are at in terms of your product or service revisit that value proposition and work out how could I add more value, not necessarily changing anything but the perception of how I bring people through my value chain which is probably another whole podcast but it at least alleviates 50% of those discount questions before they get to the point of purchase and then we can deal with the last 50% in a way that we can explain or we can um, work with the prospect to make sure that they feel like they're getting what they want. Because everyone, when they find a solution that they believe to their problem, discounting is the last thing on their mind. Beautiful, mate. Thank you very much. Great to chat, Nigel. We'll see you again. See you next week. Bye.